Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to another episode of the Falcoholic Podcast. I am your host, Kevin Knight at Falcoholic Kevin, joined by two wonderful guests for today's episode where we're going to be breaking down the big question on everyone's minds after a, uh, there's a lot of adjectives you could use for Thursday Night Football, you know, abysmal, pitiful, uh, I'm sure, I'm sure through over the course of the show, we're going to get to a lot of them. Uh, we're going to be talking about the Desmond Ritter question because it's it's become especially relevant as of late. Everyone's talking about it, in cor- uh, including Arthur Smith, because everyone keeps asking him about it. Um, so it, it, it's it's a topic in everyone's minds. I wanted to get a lot of opinions on it. You guys heard from me immediately after the game. Um, I've had time to digest it. I, so has Adnan Ikich, who is here. He is at Say Which Way. Adnan, how are you doing? Uh, good. You know, it's uh, we were just talking about it before the show. It's it's pretty chilly outside. Feels like uh, feels like the real November season is here. That fall to winter time period, and you know, it's 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 nice hoodie weather, and it's almost draft season. Yeah, we're we're almost there. You know, I I all I asked during the preseason time was, can we get it past week ten? That's all I'm asking, and it is officially week eleven. There have been no mock drafts yet, so uh, you know we're in the clear now, essentially. Uh, also joining us, uh, a rare appearance sometimes more more in the off season. I think we get Gina, but always excited to have Gina Kelly on the show at Gina Thomas on Twitter. Gina, how are we doing today? I am doing great, except like Adnan said, it's freezing here, and I'm not a huge fan. I did not move here from Ohio for this weather, but yep. you know, it is November. I guess it's I guess it's reasonable to expect it. Yeah, it did hold off for a long time. The cold, especially here in New York, it was like 70 for several days last week, which is very unusual. But uh, it has arrived. Uh, like we were talking about before the snow, I'm probably going to get like one to four inches of snow tonight here in Syracuse. So uh, winter has honestly- come. Yeah. I would honestly be way more worried if it was in the 70s right now, but that's that's for the climate change podcast. Yeah, we'll save that for the uh, you know existential dread pod coming this off season or so. <laughs> we can fill a lot of pods with that, I imagine. Um, but yes, the topic of today's dread, of course, is the quarterback situation in Atlanta, uh, which has deteriorated rather quickly. Uh, and I figured we'd sort of start off sort of recapping what we thought about this quarterback situation going into the the preseason training camp time. Obviously, there was a lot of upheaval in Atlanta with the uh, Deshaun Watson fiasco, uh, then the trade of Matt Ryan and subsequent signing of Marcus Mariota, then the drafting of Desmond Ritter, and that sort of brought us to where we are today. Um, obviously, a lot of change for a team that had almost no change at quarterback over... over over a decade's time, 
Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll go to you first, Gina, because I don't remember exactly what your take was on it, but going into this season, where did you think, what did you expect from Marcus Mariota? And did you expect to see Desmond Ritter at some point this season? I did. Um, and uh, so first of all, on, uh, Mariota, I liked the signing at the time. Um, I think that the Falcons put themselves in a really kind of a predicament with the whole, like you mentioned, the Deshaun Watson fiasco and then having to trade Matt Ryan to the Colts. Um, and so what they really needed was a stopgap guy. Uh, they were they were not in a position at that point in time to bring in somebody who could be a surefire franchise quarterback type because of the cap situation. So I think like with what they could afford and what they really needed in a quarterback going into the season, I think that he was a good call. I think that he is a good leader. I think that he is somebody who can, you know, mentor a rookie and help them adjust to the professional level. Um, but I also felt like we have had ample opportunity to see who Mariota is, uh, that not who he is as a person, but who he is as a player over the course of his eight seasons in the league. And, you know, so from that perspective, I haven't been surprised by anything that we've seen from him. I think that he has basically always been this player since he's been in the NFL. Um, and so, you know, and I, I was hoping that he could just kind of, you know, help the team, get by until Ritter was ready to start. I talked to Roddy White before the season and he was very, very high on Ritter. And he told me at the time that he was going to be surprised if Ritter wasn't starting by like week five. Hmm. And, um, and Roddy was basing that on seeing him perform and practice in person and conversations with the coaching staff. So I was like, I think that by mid season, this guy is going to be starting. Uh, and then here we are. <laughs> Marcus is not getting any better. And Ritter is still on the bench. And so, you know, I also feel very strongly that some teams push rookies out there before they're really ready. And there are a lot of components uh, about, you know, being a quarterback in the NFL that uh, it's, it's a really big learning curve for rookies. So I think that a lot of guys, um, their development gets derailed by being pushed into a starting position too early. So that's, you know, one thing that I think is a valid reason to hold back. But, you know, at this point, I, I just don't see what they have to lose. Yeah, I agree. And we're definitely going to get into more of that as well as our, our sort of opinions on what's transpired and, and what we're hoping for from Ritter. But I definitely agree with you. I think that in my eyes, Mariota was always here to be sort of a shepherd uh, to usher in Desmond Ritter eventually, but to basically just keep the offense functional and watchable. And to his credit, I think he absolutely did that for the better part of this first half of the season. I think it's really just the last two games that the wheels have sort of come off. Um, but I, I think he deserves credit for keeping this team as a top 10 scoring offense up until this last week. Um, you know, I, I think. He, yeah. yeah. And the, the other thing is, you know, those last two games were within five days of each other. And yes. so I think that like Arthur Smith did mention that yesterday, like people do get riled up when you lose two games in five days. Um, but when you do have to play a Thursday night contest, that's such a quick turnaround. And I think that that's, you know, so he looked really bad in that game, but the weather was bad. It was a very quick turnaround. So, you know, those are all factors too. Yeah, absolutely. Thursday night ga games tend to be exceptionally sloppy on offense. We, we know this over many, many years of Thursday night games. So 
probably accentuated what we've already known were, were Mariota's weaknesses with the short turnaround. And of course, the Panthers probably being pretty inspired to hand the Falcons an L, considering that they definitely should have handed them an L a couple weeks ago and, and were, you know, robbed of doing so by their kicker, uh, who was noticeably better in this game. Um, but before we move on to the more specifically about Ritter, Adnan, I wanted to give you a chance to let the people know what you sort of thought going into the season about Mariota and, and potentially when you'd see Desmond Ritter come in. Well, before I start, I'd just like to say that this is why I love doing uh, these podcasts with Gina. You can tell she's an industry professional. Did you notice this, how she just casually slipped in there of, oh, yeah, I was just talking to Roddy White, you know. Before <laughs> you know, no big deal, just hanging out, you know. Yeah, you know, just calm, casual, you know, just uh, as if it, that just happens like all the time. Um, but um yeah, no, uh, I was expecting basically what we got from him, which was, you know, stopgap backup level play from Marcus Mariota. And I think that for the role which he was brought into, he's done overall a good job. He's, uh, you know, other than some really some some bad throws here and there, he, he's limited the turnovers for the most part. He has thrived in the chaos of uh uh, of a bad pocket and you, you know at at ad-libbing some plays that have to that should have gone down as losses that you know a rookie and most other quarterbacks could not have ad-libbed he's done a great job with his legs he's given the Falcons that dual rushing offense um and he's made defenses have to respect the run game even more so than what we've seen in the past few years but at the end of the day, he does have his limitations, as you would expect from someone that was a free agent quarterback in, what was it, March, uh, yeah. when he was still unsigned. Um, he is a very limited passer. We saw that in the Cincinnati game where he attempted, what, 12 passes in a game where the Falcons were down by two to three scores most of the game. Um, the recipe for beating the Falcons is a bit too simple. For, for my liking, which is basically, you know, stack the box, force Marcus Mariota to beat you deep. Um, that's why Tyler Algier and Caleb Huntley, who have the most carries on this team, have each faced the stack box, um, are each in the top five in the NFL and facing eight-plus defenders in the box uh, percentage-wise still, uh, even after that Thursday night game. Um, Mariota has not been able to beat many teams deep. Um, he does have some nice deep shot. Like that throw to Demir Bird was great uh, against the Cincinnati Bengals, the 75-yard mm -hmm. touchdown. Uh, but those plays have been very uh, far few and way too far between. Um, he, I think, it has the fourth most, uh, fourth highest inaccuracy percentage or bad throw percentage according to pro football reference uh Carson Wentz, Cooper Rush and Zach Wilson are the only quarterbacks who have uh worse bad throw percentages. Kyle Pitts leads the league in uh uncatchable targets. 30% of the targets going Kyle Pitts's way have been uncatchable, which is by far the most in the NFL. Drake London is also top 10 in that stat. He's ninth. So essentially your two best weapons who are both top 10 picks who are supposed to be, you know, these all elite, you know, this all elite tight end and this great young wide receiver are essentially being neutralized 
uh, for the most part by your your own in that quarterback play. And none of this is really Marcus Mariota's fault because we know we knew what he was going into the season. Uh, it, it's not fair to expect, you know, Matt Ryan level play from the past few years from Marcus Mariota. It's not fair to expect him to be at a Pro Bowl level or to even lead this team to a division title. You know, he is what he's paid for. He's a stopgap mentor, you know, aging veteran journeyman quarterback. And it's time that we, you know, we treat him like one. And it's time that the coaching staff sort of treats him like one. And the fact that the Falcons are now four and six, it's time to to pull that trigger and to go toward your uh, go to your young player. Thank Marcus Mariota for giving Desmond Ritter ten extra weeks of practice and for making this team, you know, look, you know, reasonably competitive in those weeks outside of you know that disaster on Thursday. But you're not really winning with Marcus Mariota, and you're not really. I I think you you stand to lose more in the long term if you don't start Desmond Ritter, because at the very least, at the very least, you'll be able to see what you have in Desmond Ritter throughout the rest of the season. And I think that's way more valuable than anything you can receive with with Marcus Mariota at quarterback right now, because I don't think that the division will really be in play in the coming weeks. Yeah, no, I, I agree with everything you said, and I think that's. That's the calculus, I think, at this point for Arthur Smith is that he believes this team has a real, realistic shot at the division title still. And in terms of mathematically speaking, he, he's correct. You know, I think 538 gives the Falcons like a 17% chance of making the playoffs. So that that is a roughly a 1-5 in five chance. That's not nothing. I don't blame him for wanting to make the playoffs because, look, this is his job security on the line. Like, if he makes the playoffs this year, that buys him significant job security that I, I think he's safe next year for the most part. But if, you know, if, if the Falcons look terrible next season, he's definitely going to be on the hot seat. So like getting a winning record, getting to the playoffs certainly would help things for everyone. Um, but I, I think that and I don't want to speak for Gina, but I, I have a feeling Gina feels the same way is that this team is not a realistic playoff contender. Um, and another loss to in this next three-game stretch, I think, effectively eliminates them, even if it doesn't mathematically eliminate them. Like, one Falcons loss plus one Bucks win effectively eliminates them because it puts them two games behind the Bucks and probably effectively, like, I mean, they're two and a half games behind at this point, probably worse than that, considering that the Bucks actually have a winning divisional record and the best that the Falcons can do right now is get to to three and three in the division if they were to win out their their final two division games so things are not stacking up well um for the falcons to make the playoffs and if the playoffs are no longer a realistic possibility then the tenor of your season changes and you shift more to an evaluation sort of of mode that doesn't mean you throw games or you try not to win like they i think they definitely will continue to try to win games but it does change how you sort of approach things. And, and I agree with what Adnan said there about we need to see Ritter and evaluate him and get him live game reps because there's no substitute for that. You could talk about practice all you want. It doesn't replicate when the 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 bodies are flying around uh, and you have to go up against NFL starting defenses, which Ritter has still not had a chance to do. So I agree with everything Adnan said. Uh, but Gina, I did want to give you a chance to weigh in too. Why do you think now is a good time to move on from Ritter 
or well, move on to Ritter. Uh, that would be sad if we moved on from Ritter without even playing him. Uh, so what, why do you think this is, is the time? Because I know in our article that we published on Tuesday on the Falcoholic, you were calling for him uh, to, for them to have already made the switch. So uh, explain to the people why, why you feel so strongly about uh, Ritter getting on the field as soon as possible. Um, I just think that, you know, obviously Mariota is not the future of the position for the Falcons. And until we see Ritter on the field, we don't know if he can be either. Now, I'm not a draft analyst and y'all might disagree with me and I would defer to your opinions. But I thought that Ritter was potentially the most um, NFL ready prospect in this in this year's draft. And so I am. I just, I just want to see what we have in him. Um, you know, needless to say, they're going to have to, if, if he's not the guy, they're going to have to make some decisions this offseason, whether that's going after a veteran and free agency or, you know, whether that's trying to draft somebody again. The way that their record's shaking out, it's not looking like they're going to have a particularly high draft pick, which also makes that whole aspect kind of a crapshoot. And so I just really want to see what he looks like in real game situations so that we can start to get an idea of can he be the guy for the Falcons? Because frankly, if he can, that's great news. And if not, then they need to be making a plan for the future. Yeah, absolutely. That very succinct, very well said. Um, and and I agree, you know, we'll we'll see how the draft pick shakes out. Um, because right now it it could go a lot of different ways, right? Because there are how many teams? Uh one, two, 32. three, four, well, yeah, thirty-two teams. Uh, you know, gotta do the math here, uh, Dan Hans's style. But yeah, I think there's like over ten teams with uh, uh with three wins. So like Right now, it's very, like, the Falcons have four wins. So, like, you could say, like, oh, if they lose out, they could easily end up with a top three pick if any of those, you know, if the majority of those teams win some more games. And the Falcons right now also have a very, very low strength of schedule, which is a good thing for the draft. Uh, the Falcons have a four-two-nine strength of schedule, which actually I think is the lowest in the entire NFL. Uh, and it is. It is. So, they will quote-unquote win a tiebreaker with any other team with the same record um, because of their low strength of schedule. And that will obviously change by the time the draft rolls around. But the fact that it's this low now probably means that it won't get into the upper echelons of the strength of schedule calculation. And, um, you know, it it really depends on how the season goes. Um, If they win two, three more games, they're picking in the teens. If they win one or two more games, you know, then they're probably picking in the top 10 again. So we'll, we'll see, but either way, they're not picking in the top three, which is where you would need to be to get CJ Stroud, uh, Bryce Young, that top of the class. And I don't think this is the type, I mean, maybe they would consider a big tramp if they really love those guys. I I sort of feel like if they're going to make that sort of move, it's probably for a veteran. Like we saw them try to do, uh, unsuccessfully, thankfully, uh, earlier this off season. Um, but you know, I've floated the Lamar Jackson thing a lot. I think, I think if, if he were to become available, it would be stupid not to at least kick the tires on that, but we'll, we'll see. But again, we, we need to see what Ritter offers bef- to find out if that's necessary. And even if Ritter looks promising, maybe you still go all in for Lamar Jackson because it's Lamar Jackson, but Right. But, you know, from a team building perspective, you're in such a better position if you have a a quality quarterback on a rookie deal. It just allows you to add enough talent around him 
to be successful. And um, yeah, so like ideally Ritter is the guy, but until we get to see him play in real game situations, there's just literally no way for us to know. Yeah, and and you're right. I mean, I, I evaluated Ritter as the most pro-ready of the quarterbacks. He was my quarterback too. Um, I did have Malik Willis higher long-term, but certainly not. Like I was like, Malik Willis needs to sit at least a year, maybe two. Um, and we've seen when, you know, what Malik Willis looked like when he got on the field. Uh, and he's just clearly not ready. And that's sort of what it is. Uh, but Ritter, I think you could expect to play better than Willis has, certainly. Uh, would he be playing better than Mariota has? I don't know. And I don't think any of us are claiming that Ritter's just going to come in and be better. I don't think we know that. We're not claiming to know that. But it's more about the evaluation and, like, we need to know. And maybe he does play better because there's certainly a chance that he could um, particularly as a passer, um, where we've just seen that Mariota is, for whatever reason, limited. And it doesn't appear to be like a physical limitation because I think we've seen his arm is pretty good. Um, like he he's usually overthrowing the deep shots, which is not something uh, you you get when you have a poor arm. It seems like the chemistry is off. It seems like he's slow to trigger on some throws. And part of the problem obviously has to do with this offense creates a lot of tight window throws and a lot of quick developing stuff because they don't necessarily release a lot of receivers into the rap, into routes. Like they, they have to keep tight ends into block. Um, they have to keep extra guys into block because the offensive line is such a liability. That's not Mariota's fault, but when you're only having three receivers run routes, you have to be quick about the decisions and you have to hit guys when they come open. You can't hesitate. And for whatever reason, I feel like Mariota just has a slow trigger I don't know if that's adjusting to this scheme. I don't know if that's not trusting the offensive line. You know, whatever it is, I it, it's I don't think it's a processing speed issue because we've seen how quickly he processes in chaos. Like bad snap, he's almost down, and then he goes and makes something happen. It's not, I think, a, a processing speed issue. It's compli- It's more complicated than that. But whatever reason, he's not. I think a, a great fit for what Arthur Smith needs this offense to be, which is you have to make decisions really quickly. You have to trigger quick on these throws and it's just not happening, but. And I that part of the reason that Smith ended up benching Mariota in um, Tennessee for Ryan Tannehill ended. I mean, I think that this was part of the reason. So it's not like Smith didn't know exactly who he is as a player coming into this, but the other factor is um, it, it, the the stats that Adnan mentioned about Drake London and Kyle Pitts uh, really being underutilized is just such a waste. And so, That's another reason I would really like to see Ritter because, you know, like you said, we have no way of knowing if he can be better than Mariota. I feel like he would be better in the passing game and would at least give those two some more opportunities. So that's another factor for sure for me. Yeah. And and Ritter, from his college tape, he's definitely willing to throw the ball into tight windows and he's pretty fearless about doing so, not to the point where he's reckless, but he's willing to hit tight window throws. He has a lot of confidence and trust in his arm to do that. And I think Mariota, for probably a a number of reasons, including how things have have soured for him at multiple stops and he's been benched, um, I think he's afraid in some ways to make a mistake. And we've seen that earlier in the season and playing very conservatively with where he's putting the ball and not really being willing to throw it into tight windows to the full other side of the spectrum, which now he knows that maybe he, he... his job is evaporating and now he's just chucking up hero balls and just, you know, throwing the throwing passes on his back on the ground, you know, which is just a sign of desperation. Um, 
and neither one of those is is a is a as a way to effective quarterback play but Adnan absolutely want to get your take on it as well why do you think that we should see Ritter uh sooner rather than later um basically it can't really get much worse when, when it comes <laughs> to the passing game like don't get me wrong I'm not trying to say this as a diss on Mar- Mariota like he does a lot of things well and you know he does a lot of things that the coaching staff likes but he's just so limited as a passer to the point where you know if if Desmond Ritter comes in and looks worse than Mariota has looked as as a passer throwing the ball deep you know missing his wide receivers as wide as Mariota has been not even really giving them a chance with with these off target passes then at the very least you know that Ritter isn't the guy um and you know then that's that's a very important step because you know you can go into next off season or moving forward um knowing that hey what we can we can now look for a, a different quarterback um if Ritter really does look that bad you still have to give Ritter a chance to make his mistakes and to show his flashes but the idea would be that he would show you you know more good than bad, more latent potential than, you know, just bad quarterback play to the point where, you know, you would think that, hey, this ideally, this this is the guy that we want for our franchise and this is the guy that we want moving forward. But there's no way you're really going to be able to know that just by seeing him in practice. You have got to see him in the regular season. We watched him in the preseason. He looked really good in the preseason. Like, he looked good enough to where he had Falcons fans entering, like, a Civil War debate about <laughs> the start between him and Mariota. It was always going to be Mariota to start the season. That's why you brought him in. But, you know, now we're at the point where, all right, we're probably not in any sort of contention. Let's just throw the rookie out there. And, you know, you're not – you wouldn't really be doing him a disservice either because – this is the expectation if you're a potential franchise quarterback. Like the Pittsburgh Steelers threw Kenny Pickett in there in the middle of the game against the Buffalo Bills. Um, you know, the the Titans threw Malik Willis in there after an injury to Ryan Tannehill. And Willis is a lot more raw than Ritter is. You know, he, like you mentioned, Kevin, he's definitely not – really ready to contribute right now and you you could tell the titans game plan was leaning on derrick henry even more so than usual as a result but every other major quarterback in this class has gotten an opportunity to play even bailey zappi in 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 new england and you know he had he even had some patriots faithful yeah charting a debate between him and mac jones a little bit but it's time for us to see the worst thing I think that you can have this year is to not have Ritter out there at all. Um, I think the bye week is a little bit too late. Um, the first of all, the Falcons should not have a bye week in week. No team should have a week for <laughs> bye week. Like that's just ridiculous. But that we'll talk about that in the off season or whatever. But you also don't want to you know, get him ready for the bye week and throw him in there his first game being in New Orleans in, in that environment against a Saints team that, you know, you he'll have 70,000 people wanting to tear his head off, including 11, you know, uh, as opposed or on the other side of him. 
So I think that you want to give as much time as possible just to be able to scout and to see just what Desmond Ritter can do in this regular season setting that you have not given him at this point. And right now, I think is the perfect time with that mini buy, so to speak, that 10 day break to really get him prepared and to get him ready because you'll only be doing him a disservice and you'll be doing the entire franchise a disservice if you don't see what he has at all this season in favor of Marcus Mariota, who's clearly not going to be that guy long term. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. So final question before we wrap this up. Because uh, I think we've covered a lot of ground here, and we'll we'll definitely talk about it more on Wednesday night's live show when we have some some other folks on. Um, but Gino, when when do you actually? Because it doesn't seem like we're going to see him in Week Eleven against the Bears, based on Arthur Smith's comments. But when do you suspect that we would see him? Um, based on obviously we don't have any hard data, but just a sort of thought thought process thing right here. When do you think that we might uh, actually get to see Desmond Ritter? You know, I think that Arthur Smith has made this a really difficult question to answer. I love that his answer to this was, when there's a quarterback change, you'll know. Like, we'll know <laughs> now because all of a sudden out there on the field. Like, <laughs> I mean, I, I truly don't know. I think that everything that Adnan just said about not wanting to throw him out there in New Orleans after the bye week it makes complete and total sense. I think that that is possibly the worst environment that you could have a rookie start his first game in. Um, so, and since it's not going to happen this week and I doubt that it happens before the bye, um, maybe it'll be week 16, but that also seems kind of dumb. Although I guess by that point, we'll have a really good idea of whether or not the Falcons are still relevant in terms of the postseason, which is something that I really don't anticipate. And, if we get to that point, then I think that that probably changes things up a little bit from the coaching staff's perspective. So I guess that that's my guess the week after the New Orleans game. Yeah, yeah, that that is, I think, a logical one, if especially if they keep if they do get back to the winning, like if they win these next three games, then, yeah, it, it makes it more complicated for sure. Um, yeah, Adnan, what do you think? When do you think we'll see Ritter? Um I would hope this week, but um, it doesn't sound like that'll happen. I think if they lose to the Bears, it should be the Commanders game um, because you're talking about a game against a defense that's not exactly, you know, one of the juggernaut defenses in the league. Uh, Washington looked really good against the, the Philadelphia Eagles, forcing some fumbles, picking Jalen Hurts off, but they're not exactly a strong passing defense. Uh, I I really want them to take advantage of one of these games before the bye week just to get him in there for his first start because all of these games are against defenses which aren't really particularly good. Um, it's it's different when we were talking about the uh, the 49ers game, even with their injuries or the Buccaneers. But, you know, you, I think you want to give him – as much of a chance as possible to give him a bit of a head start and you don't want to throw him in there against one of these incredibly elite pass rushes or elite secondaries. Um, so I would say if not this weekend at any point, then I would say next weekend probably. Yeah. Cause it just seems like, and they put out the official depth chart or whatever, you know, quote unquote uh, today. And it did have Mariota as the starter. And I think based on what Arthur Smith said, it's not going to be this week, but I sort of think the next loss, especially if it's combined with a Bucks win, is probably when they 
when they make the switch. Um, now, I think if the Falcons... To me, if the Falcons win the next three going into the bye, they'll have a winning record at that point. Um, at That's the only scenario I could see where, okay, maybe they play this out with Mariota because they've gotten a winning record finally. They've they've won three straight, so we're, I'm sure we're all going to be, you know, hot and bothered about that, um, you know, because this team winning three straight hasn't happened in a really long time. And um, these teams don't look as bad as they did to start the season, certainly. The, the commanders are sort of getting it together. The Bears' offense is getting it together at the exact same time that their defense falls off a cliff, so maybe that's a wash. And then the Steelers, we know, just got T.J. Watt back and how big of a deal he is for that defense, so... This is not the easy stretch that maybe a lot of people thought it would be a few weeks ago, but if they win these next three games, then I don't know. I think if the Falcons lose this week, we'll see Ritter the next week. Um, I think it, basically the next loss, um, I think, is when we'll, when we'll see him. I think it would be advantageous to get Ritter in before the bye for all the reasons that you guys mentioned. Like, the Saints is a really tough game to have him go in for and on the road. Um, so, you know, I, I think the best... The best way to do this is is to put him in, ideally at an ho- a home game, um, but soon, right? Uh, I think before the bye, so that he can, you know, it, I don't. Things don't need to be perfect for a quarterback to come in. I think if if you get too caught up in that, it's it's difficult. Like I, so I, I sort of think that the ideal, the best we can do is probably giving him a home game, right? So. If the Falcons lose to the Bears or lose to the Commanders, I think he plays against the Steelers. If they win all three, maybe he doesn't play at all. Um, But that's sort of, I think the Steelers game is probably when we see him at this point, uh, based on on my gut feeling and, and sort of how I think that this season's likely to go because I think if they lose one game or if they lose the next two, like they'll, they're 100% out at that point. So, um, obviously none of us are hoping for the losses, but I, I'm concerned about that at this point, considering this team has lost, you know, three of the last four and they've basically gotten out. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, it's, it's a potentially a dicey situation here. We'll see when it actually happens, but, uh, I appreciate both you guys for hopping on to talk about this this very interesting topic, uh, very divisive as well. But um, it's it's an interesting one. It's certainly one we haven't really had to talk about in many many years about a quarterback coming in to replace the starter midseason. Um, so before we get out of here, I want to thank everyone first of all, Gina Kelly at Gina Thomas on Twitter. Gina, anything you'd like to plug or any last last words before we sign off? Uh, yeah, just uh, visit the Falcoholic for all of the best coverage on the Atlanta Falcons. Um, and also, if you want to relive Matt Ryan's 39-yard run uh, against the Raiders last weekend, um, and you're not mad at me for writing about it because he doesn't play for the Falcons anymore, definitely read that. That was a fun one. Yes, definitely. Matt Ryan is back, and I- I'm happy for him because it was so disrespectful the way that was going to end. Um, I don't understand anything going on with the Colts, but at least... At least Jeff Saturday made the right call putting Matt Ryan back on the field. So uh, at least we have that. Um, yeah, guys, also make sure to follow Adnan Ikic at Say Which Way. Adnan, anything else you'd like to plug before we get out of here? Uh, no, I'm just, I'll just echo the sentiment uh, sentiments about uh, coming over to the Falcoholic uh, for all of your Falcons-based coverage now and in the offseason. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Check out thefaculhawk.com, guys. Terrific stuff there. We got a full complement of talented writers uh, filling out everything there. I'm Kevin Knight at Falcoholic. Kevin, you can follow me there if Twitter is still uh, around when you when you listen to this. Um, for those listening on the audio, please leave us a five-star review. We appreciate that. If you're watching on YouTube, like, subscribe, all that good stuff. You can check out the Patreon. It's patreon.com slash Live if you'd like to support the show. Uh, yeah, and we will be back on Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern for the next episode of the Falcoholic Live for uh, some more takes about this situation and, of course, the coming game as well. Until then, guys, thanks again for watching, for listening to the Falcoholic Podcast. We will see you next time. Have a great day, folks.